0: hello and happy new year from the cine skinny this is the second part of our 2022 kind of retrospective episode we just realized before we went on holiday that we forgot to record an intro so this is me peter doing that now Uh, in a minute you'll hear from me lewis anahit and jamie if you like the pod tell your pals etc etc here we are talking about some good things that happened in film last year see you bye So in the last episode we talked about the 10 best films of the year, very methodically calculated, everyone wrote down their little list, Jamie put all the lists together, and then we came up with a thing that everyone could agree on. Now we're going to talk a bit about like some of our personal favourites, things that have annoyed us, the ways that cinema has wronged us in the last 12 months, but also like hot people and, and cool music, etc. <laughs> in what I have unofficially dubbed on the notes, the Cine Skinny End of Year Roundup Awards, or the Ceras for short, named after n- famed actor, Michael Seeders. Michael Cera. So, <laughs> The Michael Ceras. The, you know the Michael Ceras. Cinema's highest honor, the Michael Seeders.
1: The um, golden Michael
0: Seeders. <laughs> it's so his life size as well. Anyway, so we've just like had some thoughts about how to like, talk about some of the things that maybe went round the edges of cinema this year maybe the best place to start typically well not typically but fittingly for this and it's only getting more fitting by the moment what we've called the chaotic energy award for the person in a film this year who has caused it the most who's nominated the person that's on the list <laughs> uh, uh, that was me okay so the cha- so the city skinnies pick for most chaotic energy of the year goes to Barry Kean. Barry Kean from the Banshees of Inisherin, which we discussed on the Films of 2022 episode that just went out. What exactly makes him so chaotic? I mean, you could say
2: I mean, he'd probably be on the list every year. He just <laughs> drops into films and <laughs> Yeah, he just like unsettles you straight away. He's a he, He's on a kind of different wavelength to everyone else, but he kind of just works perfectly. I felt the same with um. Oh God, what's the Dave Patel film uh, from a few years ago? The, the Green Knight. Yeah, he's it, mm. the same sort of energy in that film as well. Uh, where he's really kind of like gruppy. almost kind of sinister, but also he's like a, he's like a fool, but like a wise. He's very Shakespearean in a way. He's this kind of interesting naive character that which also has sort of like dark undertones I I, I love watching him on screen he's like great and I, I love him in these kind of small roles I, I can't actually think of him if, if I've seen him in a kind of leading as a leading man yet maybe he's just not made for that he's just maybe he is better just coming in in small doses and really kind of disrupting a movie but um but yeah he's he's he's, he's great and uh, and you're right annie what you said in the last episode he is the kind of emotional heart of the film uh what happens to him in that film not to spoil anything is heartbreaking and it's, he manages to be both witty weird but but he's sort like of really human as well like there's something really human about his performance i guess is, is what i like of him
0: he is the absolute king of being a third wheel uh, <laughs> in um killing of a sacred deer the yogas lanthimos one he is just absolutely terrifying. And the trailer that they have on Netflix when you accidentally hover over it when you're trying to pick what to watch on a Tuesday night is just Barry and scaring the shit out of Colin Farrell in the <laughs> hospital. They're having like a conversation and Barry Kuhn's like, you've been very nice to me. I'd like to do something nice for you. Ah, Barry, <laughs> don't look directly at me. Um, any other picks for Big Chaos?
3: So I nominated us as- Stephanie Su from um, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Um, oh, yeah. Because she is, so, like, the girl that plays both Michelle Yeoh's daughter and then the kind of chaos energy, uh, I said that really badly. I'm going to look up exactly how you say it. But anyway, um, yeah, she is so chaotic. I think especially because she plays that double role that you really have that, like, contrast between her being absolutely deranged and with, you know, the bagel, like vacuum, like sucking everyone's like hopes and dreams into it. And with her like makeup that I really want to recreate when she has like, you know, the heart shaped thing on her cheeks, like painted in lipstick and like glitter everywhere and like pink hair. And it's just so, so chaotic. Um, yeah, Jobu Tabaki. Yeah, so I did get it right. Yeah. Award for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she's just very, very good. And the Golden Globe nominations came out yesterday. And I don't know why I continue to be disappointed by the Golden Globes, because you think I'd just learn. But they nominated Jamie Lee Curtis, who is like great, but like in a reliably great way. But the way that I don't think Stephanie Sue is getting like a look in at all. And like what she does is remarkable. Like it's chameleonic and it's so fucking deranged that she's great. Mm -hmm. So I would also say go her.
0: I would agree. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> Um, And moving on from that, maybe something else that's also... The thing about Everything Everywhere all at once there's so many little elements to it that you have to try and, like, pull out and would really reward a repeat watch if you can, like, handle the intense barrage that it is. But another thing that I think is that Jamie's picked out, the uh, blast from the past for a child star who's now good as an adult. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of
2: my favourite... Um, stories of the year, it's uh, ki Hun um, is the actor who we probably remember as Short Round um, in the Temple of Doom film uh, with uh, Harrison Ford, also he was in um, The Goonies as well as Data and you know, I mean again this is actually going back to maybe John Peel's film that we talked about last uh, last time, you know, the reason he didn't continue in Hollywood is essentially racism you know, there wasn't enough roles for Af- uh, uh, Asian American men so he is sort of basically retired for years and now he's came back uh, and, and he's absolutely fantastic in this film, uh, again he's playing dual roles, he plays the kind of nebbish um, <laughs> <laughs> dad who's like useless but then but then he has this alter ego where uh, he can take down ten men with a, only a fanny pack, you know, so he's he's, he's great. Um, the,
1: the alternate universe where he has like, they never got together and he has glasses and he's really
2: sexy Oof. Exactly. My God. Yeah, he does. He does it all. He, he's got range. Um, and yeah, and I, But also, just like the story outside of you, know, outside of the film, you know, him recreating with Harrison Ford, him sort of back on the interview trail, and just being such sort a of really happy, positive guy. You know, you have so many terrible stories about child actors, how their life goes awry. You know, because of that business. But he seems to be like a very grounded guy. It didn't work back in the eighties. He he went had a normal life. And now he's back and I'm, I would love to see him do other things, you know, because he's just, he is fantastic, he's just got it, he's like a, he's a he's a movie star, you know, he's just like, he can do everything. So, yeah, I, I, I loved seeing his kind of like, his kind of comeback, it was made me really happy. There, uh, There is another um, person who could fit in that category that literally just occurred to
1: me for Child Star Who Made A Comeback, uh, Owen Klein, uh, who yeah. did Funny Pages that we talked about in the podcast and I actually really liked that film, you didn't.
0: I mean, I thought it was alright, but, but yeah. yeah.
1: He was a child star and a director now
0: <laughs> yeah and i think that bleeds nicely into anyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows that my one of my pet peeves is child or teenage actors who would not tire of a slap but this year has been particularly good for youth performances that actually have range and are genuinely interesting So I wanted to say best small child of 2022, I thought was uh, Rayanne Sarlacc from Panapanahee's Hit the Road. Really fun wee guy with emotional range, not just like yuck, 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 laugh, 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 but also genuinely actually funny. And that is a really hard thing to do because I think like young, young kids, the temptation is for them to be really over coached and not naturalistic. And then teenage actors, the temptation is for them to want to be like, I'm a real guy now. I've been watching a bit of Desperate (laughs) Housewives and this has a lot of both. Why? Because Sally loves Desperate Housewives. (laughs) I quite like it, it's weird. It's almost like kind of Twin Peaksy at times. (laughs) It's honestly one of the strangest bits of television that has been made in recent years. But there's some child actors in that who are terrible and then a teenager, who drunk driving hit and runs an old lady and then goes and complains to his mum that he can't have his car taken off him because now he's got to ride his bike to school and i was like you're the worst prick going (laughs) you're genuinely awful i hate you but anyway that's desperate housewives (laughs) um but yeah, Ray and Salah can hit the road, and I think, Lewis, you wanted to yeah. also talk about another good child actor well, in a year you know, Well, you know, your category was actor.
1: Best Small Child, yes. and Anna Cobb is um, an actor who is, I think, no longer a teenager. I think since... The, the film is called uh, We're All Going to the World's Fair, and it showed at Sundance in 2021, and it got released on Shudder this year. So I don't actually think Anna Cobb fits into this category anymore. I think that she's outgrown teenager by now. But... Uh, I just wanted to use this as a backdoor to talk about a weird film that came out this year that doesn't really fit anywhere else it's sort of a a horror film that's inspired by like the mythology of like internet urban legends and before you ask no it's not one of those like crappy unfriended films that's like all in one skype window throughout the entire thing like Uh, it's not some jump scare thing it is um about uh, a sort of Internet, a viral internet challenge called the We're All Going to the World's Fair Challenge, which seems to like, is always cryptic. It seems to involve some kind of like self hypnosis and role playing elements with other players across the internet. And the film pretty much concerns Anna Cobb, who lives in one of these small, like, middle of nowhere towns in America, who gets really like sucked into this thing that we don't really understand what it is you know interact with people over the internet that we learn are like grown men and it's very much about like the way that innocence definitely dies when you grow up on the internet but it's um just a really weird film it's got it was produced by David Lowry who did the Green Knight who's the director of the Green Knight. Um, so if you want to see a film that just like has quite unique imagery, uh, it's not a very like high budget film. Like it, it creates this imagery with like glow in the dark paint and desiccated teddy bears. But really unsettling atmosphere throughout the entire thing is carried by Anna Cobb, who just gives this really good and, and layered performance. I thought this was a good place to bring that up because it's like not necessarily the best film of the year, but it's
0: just weird and different.
3: And then was she also the little sister in Bones and
0: was yes, that her? yes, yes. she was yeah,
3: yeah and she's also good
0: in that yeah because uh we're all going to the world's fair is one of those films that i saw on the kind of list of potentials for the pod that we never quite got around to so i'm very glad that you brought it up just there
1: it's yeah again like i say it's not like mind-blowingly good but there's definitely like new and interesting stuff happening in it
0: yeah yeah so that was we're all going to the world's fair for its small child Anna Cobb, who is no longer a small child. He's no longer a small child. But she is in Bones and All. And Bones and All, that's, in fact, that's a very awkward segue. We're not gonna do that. I will edit this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just segue from that to knitwear. <laughs> <laughs> who had good threads this year?
3: Um, I would like to uh, make the argument for the best knitwear award. Uh, Renata Reinsfer in Worst Person in the World. That one scene where she's wearing that like white kind of cable net like cream like you know the Chris Evans jumper yes like the fisherman's what the fuck is it called like you know there's cable really net. yeah 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 like those really cozy ones um and her hair's kind of like tucked in to the neck of it and she's like standing by a bookshelf and the vibes are excellent
0: the thing about worst person in the world is it's like Scandinavian and like Nordic but not very hygge yes it's not a kind of like quaint twee or lets everything have wood-burning fires in it it's like let's all get drunk all the time <laughs> and hang around in, in buildings that are entirely made of pine and brushed concrete <laughs> live in our Scandi fantasy love to see it did someone else also want to shout out some knitwear?
2: well I wanted to shout out Colin Farrell uh who is very dapper I think is is one thing that maybe isn't consistent with his character because his character's meant to be a dope like a real kind of like <laughs> Loser, but he dresses so niftily. I think, like, uh, but it was like nineteen twenty, where you had to like put on a three-piece suit just to go down at the pub. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but he's really good at like car popping. He's yeah. got a really nice. Isn't you know? Because
3: he's hot. Jamie. I know. I
2: know he's hot, but that's that's also the tragedy. He doesn't have anyone because he's in this island, with those like three people, you know, he, he can't get a date. Brendan yeah, been, Gleeson
1: has a very big hat and it looks very cool and I want that hat that Brendan Gleeson has. Yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, is it's is it, is a good fashion film. Yeah. I think uh, I think we're going to see a lot more kind of 1920s fisherman style mm-hmm. uh, clothes. I really I liked the it.
1: costuming in Note. I mm. think that oh, like Kiki yeah. Palmer is always serving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Stephen Yehan has this like UFO themed cowboy outfit that's very Marty McFly.
3: Yeah, 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 His hat um,
1: really suits
0: him as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daniel Kudia's hoodie, which I know is not knitwear, but that bright orange hoodie.
0: The Scorpion King. He,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, like her little jean cut-offs. So I almost cut off my jeans after watching that film.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and if we're moving to leisure I'd also see Letitia Wright and. Um, sure. <laughs> Forever yeah. And you yes. thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah is yeah. that
0: when they're trying to go incognito and she turns up in uh in the flashiest all yes. like <laughs> like all matching black and purple yeah. adidas tracksuit yeah with enormous sunglasses on well, <laughs> every every time she's not in the black panther outfit she looks
2: amazing like her, her, yeah. her costume is great yeah
3: let's well, so if we are now just talking about clothes uh shout out to Budson costumeer. Is that the word? Costumeer. Yeah. Costumier.
2: It's a cool
1: word. It should be. <laughs> I'm
3: gonna, gonna say it's a word. But like the fits that Timmy wears in that film, like there's this one bit where he's wearing basically it looks like an eight year old's dress. But he's wearing it as like a top, yeah. and then his very ripped jeans. My friend, so Shanlin, friend of the pod, and I went to see Bones and All again last week, um and we got out of it 11 p.m. and I immediately went and bought like three bottles of bleach and then bleached my jeans and tore them up. So so. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> but,
2: I also really want his Thundercat t-shirt, which yeah. is really cool. Like that was my favorite. It shows a kid. And he has a rope belt.
0: Which, yes. uh, which which seems to work.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's all just very and her like little like floaty tea dresses. It's like it's just so, Yeah, it's very well done.
0: And if we're fully just talking about fashion, <laughs> the uh, the crafts from Fire of Love with the beanies, Ooh, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. with the very, like yeah, yeah. where's Anderson meets Jacques Cousteau Bottom of the Sea <laughs> crossed with a kind of like medieval knight <laughs> when you when there's that shot of them and one of them is wearing like an enormous like steel hood. And the other, the other one is wearing like a blue short sleeve denim shirt and a red beanie hat that is somehow still on their head. I don't know how they've done it, but fair play. So yeah, if you want some fashion, if you want the skinny skinny lookbook from twenty twenty two, it's a varied but uh, all excellently curated selection. So bash on, and that's probably as good a place as I had to move on to sexiest moment in a film.
3: Hell yes.
0: So why am I the only
3: uh, one that's put up?
0: I like my option.
3: Oh, is that your option? Okay. No. Okay, okay
0: and I feel it's only right to let you go far. <laughs> oh my God,
3: thanks so much. Okay, actually, I will start by saying, I was like going through my letterbox, like every film that got released this year. It hasn't been the horniest year for cinema. I think there have been some very sexy films, but they're technically coming out next year. Um, so some of the sexiest films I've seen don't like qualify. Um small early,
2: come on. Can you give us some teasers the sexy um,
3: So, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, oh. I think is really, really hot, um, really sexy. What else? Um, there are others that I now can't oh, sorry, remember. sorry, <laughs> No, that's okay. <laughs> um, there were, yeah, there were a couple, that's like the main one that really like comes to mind though I being like, this is so like, oh, just like deeply horny. Um, but yeah, that's not out yet. Oh, Blue Jean was another one that is very, very sexy, but I think it's out in January, February, early next year. Um, so yeah, it hasn't been the horniest year. But for me, there is this woman <laughs> in the Batman <laughs> where, <laughs> okay, so it's like the bit where um, I think he's like for some reason taken his shirt off because why not? (laughs) (laughs) And he's going through all of like the dusty files and he's like Bruce Wayne which I think One of the really interesting things that that film did was he was very, very rarely Bruce Wayne. And -hmm. so then when he was, it felt so like, oh, like it felt like he was naked. Like it was so like vulnerable and like, oh, it was really interesting. And so he's like sitting, going through his files and trying to like figure out shit. And he's sad because they think like Alfred just got blown up or something. And so it's just like, you know, a sad man is very sexy. And he's like doing that. And then like Catwoman comes up on his screen because she's like using the like contact lens video, like tech thing that he'd given her to like try and get back in touch with him. And it's like the first time that he sees her as Bruce and she obviously can't see him. And he just looks and he just thought that she'd like betrayed her. And it's just like really like, he just, the way that his eyes like flick up at her and he's just like so sad. <laughs> <laughs> They're like really like vulnerable and really like it's like a moment where they connect and the only way he can have that is by being like truly invisible to her like not even behind a mask but just not like present and his like eyeliner's all like smudged around his eyes yeah it was good I would say that right
0: <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> surveillance <laughs> uh Jamie what do you but what Sir do you think
3: Honey. Like sorry, voyeurism is honey. His is tr- built like a true. whole fucking career. Yeah, no, that. you're right. So
0: you're right. okay, <laughs> you're right. I <laughs> defer <defout laughs> to the master on the subject. <laughs> uh Jamie, did you have anything that you wanted to talk well, about? Well, I thought the Sexiest
2: film was probably bones and all, but strangely not the central romance. So I've always thought that Luca Guadagnino is probably like our best kind of central filmmaker, um, or kind of I guess modern day central filmmaker. He's really great at kind of like just finding sensual moments he films his actors beautifully it makes them all look gorgeous on the screen um, but I found it strange that actually I found the central romance a bit wet here like it just never kind of sparked for me but where the film does have really quite erotic moments is strangely the cannibalistic elements so there's a moment near the start where um, uh, the girl she's uh, she, she's having a sleepover and she just starts to nibble on her friend's hand it's like erotic you know but it's obviously terrifying um, and then later I think the sexiest moment in the film is when Timmy uh, mm-hmm. su- yes. su- seduces uh, a guy at the carnival so basically Timmy just goes he cruises this guy at the carnival, flirts with him uh, basically lures him to uh, a cornfield and you think okay he's just going to kill him but he doesn't just kill him he, he makes sure that this guy has a bit of pleasure <laughs> before he
0: dies and that's that's dedication you know <laughs> He, he died with a smile on put it that way it's called it's called commitment to the bit yeah
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> so, and, so uh, hot yeah and then him and his girlfriend consume him as well so it's like it's like a really interesting choice and considering that guadagnino didn't film the sort of straight romance at the center in the same way i, I just thought it was really interesting and, and sort of yeah really stood out to me
3: it is such a gay film and so many people have asked luca about that and he's been so like why are you saying that (laughs) and it's just such a gay film like i'm like have you seen your own film Mm. but he's been so like no like it's just a film (laughs) these um, are just actors
1: (laughs) uh, there's no
0: film in this camera i i
1: i I don't know if this will hit in the same way but in wendelin wild there's a giant leather daddy (laughs) that was weird but like that was yeah (laughs) You know what?
3: Wait, hang you on. laugh, which, but he's not wrong. Which bit?
1: <laughs> the devil. Like, the, the oh, huge yeah. devil that they, like, live yeah, on the head yeah. of is, like, a giant leather daddy. And, mm. it like, the finale of the film is, like, him coming to earth and smashing everything up. Yeah. And mm. I'm like, I do like that they just sort of made a Henry Selick leather daddy.
0: Mm, yeah. Netflix's money going to good
3: use. <laughs> <laughs> <for>, Truly, <though. laughs> For once.
0: Maybe a good one to move on to next as we use up this time we have in the studio is to get I want to get everyone's most contrarian film opinions of 2022 always fun to do this kind of thing cause some arguments have a bit of fun let's have a laugh with it Lewis do you want to go first can I rant about the Northman you can you can have uh, you can have three minutes of uninterrupted rant and then we'll have a discussion rant afterwards okay
1: cool uh so like (laughs) the Northman from a directional standpoint was like fine I guess there's some good action scenes so It makes like for a a fine viking war film but this is the first Robert Eggers film where he didn't have the lead writing credit that went to this Icelandic novelist called Shon I think is I'm pronouncing that right but even if it is this big spectacle I still don't think it's to Eggers strengths because when you think of like I just love the witch I love the lighthouse I think there are these like little isolated worlds that are just layered with so many themes and so you know so claustrophobic and there's moments like that in the in, in the Northmen, there's like Willem Dafoe's weird ritual or Bjork's prophecy and these are the highlights but the, le- the rest of it is just like quite forgettable. Like Alexander Skarsgård just sort of flits about from battle to battle, he kills for honour and glory and then he gets it, there's almost no subversion to this film, it doesn't have a deeper layer except for like one thing and I don't, know, I, I don't really think this is that much of a spoiler, but like his motivation changes halfway through where instead of saving his mother from his evil uncle, he learns that his mother is also evil and she's just like, oh, I never loved you. I just love power. You're an idiot. And to prove it, I'm gonna sleep with you. Like it's just to disgust <laughs> the audience. And then, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy's character sort of helps drug these guards, but he hasn't had a problem killing guards up until now. So I don't really know what her point is other than, you know, There's a prophecy he's impregnated her, so because she's carrying the future king she needs to be saved. It's just not a good film for women. It's just like the absolute male power fantasy that's like totally rewarded. It's like, you know, I guess it would be fair not to like judge it by his previous work, like not every film in Eggers' filmography has to be this incredible screenplay thesis on masculinity and divinity, but like, I don't want him to do crappy commercial films. I don't want him just to do big action films. I want him to do his weird stuff.
3: It is fundamentally just a boring film.
1: Really boring, yeah. Like, I is, forgot so much of it.
3: Yeah, yeah, The issue with the Northmen, and everyone's going insane over it, and like, for what?
1: I also why? objected
2: to the, the ending where they have the kind of naked fight on a mountain, like, volcano. Mm-hmm. Like, why be coy? Like, this is a like a, a violent film where you've had people like being stabbed constantly, then why, when it comes to the big fight at the end, is like just always, luckily, a bit of ash or a sword covering up the other regions, you know, come on, the Vikings the right naked, why, why make them naked in the first place? If you're not going to show There's anything.
1: There's so many choices down the line in the creation of this film that like narrow the audience that it's for, you know, you could make it a bigger thing, you could have it speak to larger themes, but it's not, it's just for like bros to go and see Alexander Skarsgård cleave some dude's head in half.
3: But then I will say, so many of the people that like this film aren't bros, and it really did like appeal. Which is like lovely. That's really nice. But I really was like, but why? Like I didn't even think of it in a gen, Like I was just like, but it's so boring. Like it's so like who cares? Like who cares? Who cares what it's these people the, are it's doing? It's like the
1: legend that inspired Hamlet, and for me that means like just watch Hamlet. Yeah, there's even watch more the of
3: Lion a. What's <laughs> the there <are> Lion King? the Lion King? Watch
1: <laughs> that <laughs> Simpsons episode. It's like there's even more of a reason to ask like, what are you doing differently? What are you introducing to this mythos? You know, yeah, like and it, nothing.
3: No, like it felt like one of those fucking TV shows like Vikings and all of those other ones that are like, you know, on Amazon Prime and look like they cost £10. Anyway, <coughs> I didn't think it was good.
0: <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> and you know what? Bang on time as well.
3: are <laughs> <Were laughs> I mean, you timing him? Well, I was just <laughs> keeping
0: an eye on the clock. And you know what? Nailed it. <laughs> Jamie.
2: Well, I feel a bit daft saying this now because uh, I really love all the performances, but I do think everything, everywhere, all at once has been a little bit overrated. Just because <laughs> I... I know, I know. I, I don't know. It's a film that kind of wore me down. I feel like it's got one tone and I would love to have seen it. Like, I've, my favourite scene in the whole film is when the two rocks start talking to each other because it's all... Instantly, I had a break. I can breathe because it's just, to me, a relentless film. And I... As, as much as I admire it, I admire all the performances, I admire the craft, I think to make a really... Engaging film you have to have modulation. You have to go up and down. You can't just be one tone Um, And that's where it kind of fell 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 down for me. It was just like relentless. I don't agree with that, but um (laughs) I I do
1: think that not enough people talk about the rock scene. The rock scene is like the best. It's like so good It's the best scene. It's like I cannot I didn't see it in a cinema And I'm really mad that I didn't because I bet that like no matter what every cinema would have been dead silent Everyone would have like stopped to read and take that moment in it would have been like a really cool moment I just love that it's like completely silent and it's like films, that's a very daring move for a film to just have like a five minute silence, right, it's like emotional peak.
3: Did you see the? I'm trying to scroll through their Twitter, but it's just fucking Avatar interviews. But I think the variety actors on actors interview that was like Colin Farrell and Jamie Lee Curtis. And he was talking about the rock scene and was like, Yeah, and the way that you guys did it with like stop motion animation, you just don't see that anymore. And she was like, No, Colin, it was two rocks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, it's like so good. You you, you totally anthropomorphism. Yeah. It's just two rocks doing nothing. You imagine. Yeah, I, I think I did a remember the rocks doing things, but they don't. They just sit there, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and I saw it in a completely full cinema and it was one of those ones when something is silent but with subtitles that everyone reads the subtitles at a slightly different speed so you get this like ripple of like laughter around the room <laughs> Yeah Yeah What was your contrarian opinion? Uh it was to ban all sequels. Ban a, yeah. ban all sequels, 3-year moratorium. You can only have new IP documentaries and weird indie films. Because I was saying this to Heat that I think one of the things that Disney Plus in particular have done is just make sequels to things that were already sorted because they've moved away from the idea of like remaking and restarting entire franchises and just moved into like hocus pocus 2 disenchanted whatever star wars crap is going on and like just do some new things would be my argument my argument is if you think you like uh, franchises and sequels you don't uh, you're wrong I'm correct. But then get we, rid of but, all of them. There's a but, contrarian but opinion. Have,
2: but then we wouldn't have Top Gun. That's
3: Maverick. That's exactly what I said. to Well, that, you that was the
0: only issue that we had with this plan <laughs> was that Anna he wouldn't have Top Gun Maverick, which I believe you're going to see in 4DX later. I <laughs>
3: 4, am wait,
1: 4DX. <laughs> like you get
0: hit in the head with a volleyball. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Miles Teller actually appears <laughs> before my eyes. In my defense, me and my friend made plans to see it, and this is the last day that we can see it because it's back in cinemas. But her mother arrives from the US tomorrow, um, so it has to be today, and they're only showing it in 4DX today. <laughs> so we've made the sacrifice. So I will be leaving work an hour early today. You
0: really did try not to watch <laughs> it in I 4DX really as well. You're rescheduling people's flights. <laughs>
3: But we had this whole conversation me and Peter in the office yesterday where I was like, oh, it's only well fuck that, I'm obviously not going. And it took like what, seven minutes? Yeah.
0: <laughs> for You're me like, to be like eh, well I'm, You know what? I'll I've booked my tickets. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few more quick ones before we're done. Uh best beginning slash ending of a film?
3: Uh yeah. So beginning best beginning, without a doubt, is uh Roman Gavras's um, Athena, which is on Netflix, which got so fucking like under the radar, which makes me so angry, because it is really, really good. It is, you can literally just watch it on Netflix. It didn't get a proper cinema release, and it is one of the most cinematic films that's been made in so long. So it kind of is a Greek tragedy that takes place in like a bondier in Paris um, after a kid is killed by the police and his brothers, one of whom is in the military, one of whom is like this kind of dissident rising up. This kind of civil war almost breaks out in this bonlieu. So it's like La N, but like taken to like whole new levels. And it begins with this 11 minute one shot of in the police station and like a Molotov cocktail gets thrown. And then these kids are like going back to the bonlieu and like the French flag is like waving like in a Delacroix, like it is fucking insane. It is insane. It is genuinely one of the best things that has ever been put on film ever. It is so, so good. And like the music is this kind of deeply operatic. Like he really wanted it to just be like heightened, heightened tragedy. It is so great. Oh my God. I love that film and no one saw it. It made me really like sad because it was genuinely so good and it should have got us and Netflix, it just, d- d- anyway. Anyway, so that's the best beginning, best ending, I think probably after Sun, we can all agree, but just like a shout out for um, Terence Davies' Benediction, which ends, um, I mean, this is obviously kind of spoilery, but also like, I mean, it's about secrets to the scene, so we all know what happened. Um, but it like ends with kind of this flashback to his younger self played by Jack Loudon sitting on the bench outside Kostorfin? Um, hospital Was that where? the called? Craig, war- Craig Lockhart Hospital. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and he's watching like a man who is like shell-shocked, has had his like legs amputated in this kind of recovery hospital thing. And Ralph Va- Vaughan Williams is playing over, which is just a, one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever. And Wilfred Owen's poem, Disabled, is being read out loud. And you just have this tight shot on Jack Loudon's face for like, three or four minutes of him just sobbing and it is absolutely fucking extraordinary like so so good and again not many people saw that film it was really good (laughs) they (laughs) should have
0: i think benediction is also it might also be on netflix i think it is Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so if you just want a a two emotional sucker punches (laughs) start of a tenner skip to the end of (laughs) benediction it's not how they're supposed to be watched but are there really any rules about this stuff um yes there are don't do that um the stealing the film in the third act jamie do you want to talk about triangle of sadness i believe yes
2: dolly de leon um just so great like that is like my favorite performance of the year she's just like she she just comes in she takes over the movie she's just so cool i like i want to punch the air every time she was on screen i love her uh, and i love again it's another actor who basically came from nowhere i think she's done stuff uh, back in her home country but now, now she's like got an international acclaim I really hope she gets some Oscar buzz you know because she yeah. is like fantastic she just like takes the movie by the neck and I think I I, I think we we'll have discussed this before I really love that third section I think it really brings the whole film together and part of it is because she's so good so yeah did we but. not discuss when we
1: actually covered it on the podcast that she auditioned without an agent mm. she's like totally yeah. just like isn't that wild yeah mm. and she's very yeah. good
3: she's sick so
1: she got nominated
3: for a golden globe yesterday one of the
0: few things they did right um and then the one final thing i think we should talk about which is something i wanted to put on the plan mainly to try and excise a curse but i will get onto my curse shortly uh (laughs) strangest thing that happened to you in a cinema this year has anyone got any weird stories of things that have happened to them or that they have seen in the movie picture house in I will 2022. <laughs> Annie he's off the Top Gun 4DX, so <laughs> consider this pre planned. Uh, Jamie, anything particularly weird happened to you in a cinema this year? I can't
2: really think of anything, to be
0: honest. Sorry. No. I didn't have one. I guess. I mean, it, it didn't happen Jamie's in a cinema, but like a weird,
1: person. just a weird cinema thing is this Goncharov meme, the fictional Martin Scorsese film. That's that the so Infinite funny. Made oh my and God. And now, like, it's come full circle because Martin Scorsese has acknowledged it.
3: Yeah, his um, daughter, like put, his it daughter put it on
1: TikTok. <laughs> and obviously just got her dad to text, yes, I made Goncharov. <laughs> and um, it has led to the very funny thought that like Martin Scorsese might say that Marvel movies aren't real movies, but Goncharov is. <laughs> 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 what about you, Peter? Uh, I feel like you're leading us somewhere. Well,
0: the thing I want to talk about is I have a friend who we very briefly were concerned was cursed, but exclusively when it came to cinemas. So we went and saw Matrix Revolutions at the start of 2022. And the film got uh, to 20 minutes before the end and the fire alarm went off and we all got sent outside in the snow, I believe. (laughs) So that was good. So then we were like, all right, that's weird. Shouldn't have happened. There you go. We all went to the pub and just like looked up what happened at the end of the film. And then several months later, he went to, same friend, went to the St. James Centre Everyman to watch some other, I can't remember what the film was, but he went and was like, oh yeah, cinema was pretty nice. But then uh, about two-thirds of the way through the film, the picture went off and the staff came through and said that part of the projector had melted. So we were all (laughs) going to have to leave. And I was like, friend's name redacted. Are you actually cursed? And then we eventually had to get to a point where we all went to the cinema again and it was fine. But strangest thing that's happened to me this year in a cinema was being slightly concerned that my friend had a kind of uh, hex over the various <laughs> cinemas of us. Projecting Earth. like an electromagnetic field that yes. like set off fire alarms. so much. We put him it in a Faraday, Faraday cage and it was all fine. <laughs> 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 Just wheeling him around. <laughs> Does anyone else have anything else that they would like to talk about and nominate for one of our extremely prestigious End of Year Roundup Awards? Cine Skinny Podcast,
1: Best Film Podcast of the Year.
0: Yeah. Yay. I mean, that goes without saying. Uh, anything else from you, Jamie? Nothing else. Is that... I, I didn't have any more good like stuff Anahe anything you want to throw in at the end uh, no thank you okay Lewis mm, not I'm pretty sure
1: <laughs> like we've just got oh. a couple other things but it's like Field of Dreams award for making grown men cry
2: oh sorry that was mine
1: <laughs> but like yeah Sun.
2: Totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Obviously.
0: if you can think of a category just give it to Aftersun yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get those laurels on the posters like 400 awards from this one podcast <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably as good a point as any to finish the first year of the Skinny Skinny podcast, we did it. We Look share. at us! Ooh. My feet are getting quite cold, so I'm quite glad that we're going to be able to leave the studio shortly. um Thanks to Josh Upload for having us. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. The Skinny Skinny will be back in 2023, uh, but in the meantime, everyone have a lovely. No, but fa- this
3: is 2023 when this comes
0: out. I think I can't remember when this is coming out. I think it's coming it's out. Come, out okay. Uh, Happy New Year! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to 2023. <laughs> That's a good point to end <laughs> on. Right, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye.